Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Don't Call Us, We'll Call You. We are the podcast that takes you behind the audition room doors and shares with you those stories from our listeners that happened when it turned into a bit of a nightmare, a disaster, something embarrassing happened or the day just didn't go to plan. And we share them with you and we have a little bit of a laugh and remind ourselves it's all right for things not to go to plan. My name is Christopher Bartlett-Walford, I am your host, and I've worked in the entertainment world both on and off stage for about 15 years now. Each week, myself and a guest go through our submission bag for the week and tell each other the best stories that we get sent in, while sharing a few of our own as well. And talking of guests, this week's a really cool show. My guest is Dan Curtis. If you don't know who Dan is, he's an incredible musical theatre composer hailing from my homeland of Wales. That's right, we're representing the Welsh today. Finally, a Welsh accent, because I haven't got one. <laughs> um, Dan is such an incredible mind when it comes to musical theatre, full of anecdotes and stories. And he's one of the most passionate, intelligent, knowledgeable people when it comes to our industry. And I can't wait for those of you who've never heard him before to meet him and just fall in love with his knowledge and, and love for his subject. We share stories about sheet music fails. We share what's good to do in an audition. Lots of tips and tricks. And if you're not normally into musical theatre, this will be a really good introduction to one of the best minds that we have coming up for this new generation of composers in our industry. If you're listening for the first time, then make sure you tweet us or tag us on Instagram at Don't Call Us Pod. Take a screenshot of yourself listening and say where you're listening from and say hello. We will say hello back to you. Also, if you have a story that you'd love to email in to us, something that happened at an audition that you've never told anyone, confess it to us. They're all anonymous. We are at don'tcalluspod at gmail.com. And if you just want to get in touch with the show and say hello, then do so too. We love hearing from you. We've got people listening in about 35 countries all around the globe. We love hearing from you. I'm still on the hunt for whoever is listening in Yemen. If you're that person listening in Yemen, I can see you. I can see you listening. Then please email us in and say hello. But enough of that. I start the show every week by asking each guest what auditions mean to them. Do you know what? I love auditions. The fact that you actually get to meet people and see them in person. You know, you read a, a CV or you, you know, you read some, you kind of see maybe a spotlight, but it doesn't give you a lot at the end of the day. You know, you could get a flavour, but it's amazing the amount of people who you kind of look at spotlight or look at a few videos and you go, yeah, they're really, really talented, but actually in a room, they blow you away. Their personality, the way they perform, their energy, their whole kind of demeanor is infectious. And I love auditions for that reason. I, you know, people always, they can be very negative about auditions. And I think, you know, so many people have negative experiences, but I think when they're done right, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, a two-way thing you know the you should give something to the person who's auditioning and the person auditioning should give you something back and it might be a connection that that maybe isn't for this particular show but is for a future project so i love auditions i love sitting on audition panels i love meeting people and i just think it's one of the greatest ways of just getting to know somebody it's yeah. uh, it should be fun it should be fun i love them as well but I I much prefer them the other side of the table when you're like you're casting or it's something you're directing or something because I think that's it it's a, the pressure isn't off because you're always worried that you're not going to meet the right person but of course you're going to meet the right person because there's a million people who could be right for things and one person might walk in the room 
completely different to what you were expecting and it just like that fire of creativity especially if it's something you've written you might just discover something new that you weren't expecting a role to be you know looking for for a certain role but it is the meeting the people that's the fun bit and it's knowing that they're coming to do their very best because they're actively interested in something that you're doing it's a joy do you know it's what? so much fun <laughs> The fact that people want to be involved, you know, when you've written something, it's so personal. You know, you, you write from the heart and soul, or at least you should. And um, there's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant story about Richard Rogers. And um, he said if uh, Oscar Hammerstein liked him, that Oscar Hammerstein was probably the only person that, uh, that ever did. And um, he was referencing the fact that Irvin... Um, hit, <laughs> You know, all of everybody really thought that uh, that Rogers was was kind of very, very miserable. And so many people said that uh, from Irvin Berlin and countless others that he used to pour all of his kind of heart and soul into his music and left not very much uh, left for uh, the rest of the world, you know. But I just think it's one of those things when someone wants to be involved in something you've done, they want to sing your songs it's magical you 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 hear the songs in different ways it's kind of like you you kind of write them and then you give them to the world and that you hope that the world will kind of care and cherish them in mm. the same way that you did yeah, yeah it's pretty special have you ever met somebody coming in to audition for a piece that you've written that's performed it in a certain way and then you've gone actually i need to rewrite that for that person is there any has there been anything like that that you've gone that person has changed what I've thought I was looking for completely, whether it's whether you're writing it or how you cast it. Definitely, definitely. Some people just hit it out of the ballpark. They're just, you know, they make it better. They make it better because they bring themselves to it. There's this kind of thing with auditions, you know, everybody comes in and it can get a little bit stale. You hear the same songs and the same, you know. <laughs> we'll get to that like, later, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, okay. And you're just like, oh, please, you know, somebody do something that really kind of like sticks out. And, and, and it happens all the time. People surprise you. And it's often the ones you, you know, I, I don't say this in a disrespectful way, but the people who are maybe not the names, you know, it's people who are wonderful. They're, they're incredible and they're working their way up. And you think, whoa, this is phenomenal. But then you work with other people like Natalie Weiss and she just slams every note and you go, yeah, that was better than that, what I anticipated. <laughs> annoyingly you know? good, I think I would describe her as. She's annoyingly oh, good. She is. <laughs> and wonderful. Nice. We'll have to get her on the show. <laughs> She'd love it. She would love it. I, I like that. It's... It is so good finding new talent. And I think that is one of the best things about auditions. It must be one of the best things from a writing perspective, meeting people who are st like still full of energy, <laughs> maybe not after eight months of lockdown. But <laughs> yeah, I think right. I think yeah. after this, I mean, we've spoken a lot on the show already about how the audition industry might change ever so slightly going forward, obviously taping and, you know, with, with the new restrictions that are in, it's going to be more, even more difficult for the next six months to go and meet people in person. So self-tapes are going to become the norm again. Do you find it more difficult to... Now we kind of have to go with that. Do you find it more difficult to connect with the people on a self-tape? Obviously, like we've said, it's better to meet them in person. But can you still get what you need to from a self-tape as a writer? It's really difficult. I've been kind of 
let's use the word secretly auditioning for about uh, three months for um, a musical that that'll be on fingers crossed you know what uh, you know you can never say at the moment <laughs> um in in may next year um the pantomime life of joseph grimaldi the wonderful clown and um the show will uh, will play and you know i've been really kind of looking at it, it's it's predominantly you put the show on and and was backed on the show for 2020 graduates just to kind of give some of them their very first kind of opportunity. Yeah. Uh, because obviously so many of the showcases were, well, pretty much all of the showcases were shut down. The musicals were cancelled and we wanted to do something. And I've been kind of, you know, watching self-tapes for about the last three months. And we're just about to open a, a kind of casting call. But what I have worked out, which kind of fits in perfectly to what you said, is, you know, I do, I am going to ask people just to uh, not only kind of give a, a you know, a, a song or something, but to actually give a bit about themselves. Because yes. I just, um, I'm missing it. I'm missing the fact that, you know, you just chuck on a video, it's somebody singing, you know, but it, it's so much more that you want when you, you're trying to find, the, you know, the right blend, the right mix, the right energy. And that's what these self-tapes just do not do. They just don't do it at all. I was watching Hugh Laurie um, and his audition for House, which is one of my favorite shows, one of my favorite TV shows. And you kind of see what he was doing and you just kind of think like, yeah, you know, but I wouldn't have necessarily have gone, oh yeah, he was the right choice. But obviously the director's already had him in mind that he was absolutely mind-blowingly genius in the role. Mm. But you kind of, you know, if you don't have the rest of the story, all you can judge is what's in front of you. And so much you miss you just miss so much yes yeah. it's, uh, it's unfortunate and we're stuck with it for a while but we'll make the most of it and we'll do everything that we possibly can to make it as enjoyable for everyone as possible i remember having to sing Calon lan for a self-tape uh, a few months ago and it took me hours and hours and hours because i was like no i can do that better no i can do that better no i can do that better oh my god i want to do it better so <laughs> and that's something is the you know a fellow Welshie, we've sung it enough to know that we know it. Dan, it's, <laughs> it's what we do on a Friday night. Do you know what? It's funny, though. It's the same with, with songs. You know, you, you sit down at a piano, you write something. A lot of people don't get this. So obviously, the first kind of version of a song is, is relatively straightforward. I just play the piano and sing or someone else will sing. But it's basic. You know, it, it, it's kind of... I try to not put too, I put the right essence and flavor into the vocal, but sometimes the vocal is crazy out of my range. You know, you're trying to play <laughs> a song that's for a soprano and you kind of go, well, obviously this is a flavor of the song. Here's the sheet music. Have a, you know, have a listen to what I've done just so you've got the notes, but you know, I, I, you kind of want them to do the essence of it. And then once they've kind of got the essence of it, you might tweak or give some suggestions, you know, but what tends to, what can happen from that perspective is that people kind of go, oh, this is, you know, it, it doesn't have a full track and a full band on it. And some people just cannot imagine what it'll turn out like in your head. Mm. You've got, right, there'll be strings on this. And we're going to, you know, put some drum on this. But when it's just basic and you've recorded it on your phone, you know, it's it's, uh, it's not always representative of like what the finished product will be. And and it takes someone to kind of understand what you're trying to, 
suggest to them. But, you know, I listen to a lot of the uh, Alan Menken, Howard Ashman tapes from Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, uh, Little Mermaid. And, you know, it's exactly the same. You know, they were doing it there back then with, uh, with Disney. So I know that I'm not alone, but, you know, you try to get <laughs> just a favorite. It's fun. It's fun. So let's go into our listener submissions for the week. As everybody knows who's listened before, if you haven't, every story that I'm going to read to Dan and share with you this week has been submitted by someone who listens to the show or has followed us online. We're at Don't Call Us Pod. Everyone is true. Everyone happened. And it's both the best and worst part of my week reading these out because I love it, but also I get really hot and sweaty knowing that these happened. They're not they're not terrible this week. But there are a couple that stick out. So, uh, And I figured because we had you on, Dan, we would yes. maybe keep them a, a bit more music and music choice based. OK, OK. Because it's fantastic. always good to hear the opinion of a musical director <laughs> about choices. I'm so, excited. The first story this week is from an actor who went in for a cruise audition um, for a... Yeah, well, you're here. So she starts... I went in for a leading cruise company audition with a fantastic casting director that everyone wants to impress and knows. I took in You Don't Know This Man from Parade, Yay Jolly, she says, and Call Me from Blondie, or by Blondie. I knew the pianist. What a relief. I did Call Me, and it sucked because I realised I'd learnt it in a panic. I really hated singing pop, and I hadn't actually put any thought into my performance. Cue me basically singing the song with some bad gestures. She says, luckily, no pretend phone, but a lot of pointing, (laughs) wafting and clenched fists. Then I sang You Don't Know This Man and nailed it. It was an old go-to, so it was muscle memory. I went to collect my music from the pianist who said, babes, you are missing the last page from You Don't Know This Man. Luckily, I knew it and know you, but you might want to make sure you've got it next time. He said it so loud, the casting director heard it. And it was cringe all round. I did not get a recall. <laughs> wow. Oh, so rule number one, always make sure you prepare your music correctly. It's just respectful for the pianist. And if that was any other pianist and any other musical director, they would have stopped when your music stopped and you would have looked like a fool. <laughs> oh, dear Without me. Question. I've been in a panel where, where someone's actually forgotten the music for stop that was, that was entertaining um you know and you think going through their bag going oh no it's on top of the, you know the the table at home and you kind of like oh dear oh, um no you and you can see it you can see it where it's been left as well you know where it is you know what i i just kind of you've got you have to laugh at a certain at a certain place you know <laughs> It comes a point where you know that person's having a worse moment in that moment than than uh, than I am. So, you know, it's we we'll find a different. We, the pianist knew some, you know, knew the song. Thank goodness, we could just you know play some some part of it. But uh, oh dear, <laughs> why would you take? You don't know this man into a cruise audition though. What I kind know. of cruise are you singing? A really sad cruise. Don't get me wrong. I, I adore Parade and. I think it's one of JRB's most it's beautiful. It's one of my favourite shows ever. And the Donmar version will stick in my head for eternity. But I... Why would you take that to a cruise audition? <laughs> why would you take like half of it to a cruise audition? Not even all of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love oh. it. That's I don't, funny. That's I don't want to go on that cruise. <laughs> Call me. Good choice. Good choice. You've got to do an American rock show on the ship. Lovely. Oh, what are we doing? A melancholic show about a potential child abuse. No, thank you. No, I'm not feeling not feeling that cruise. Well, I'll stay away. I'll stick with Disney cruise. <laughs> not after my unlimited buffet. Am I going to go and sit and see? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I like that. Have have any other times in auditions that you've been a part of sheet music? Have the, has sheet music ever caused a problem in an audition that you've been a part of? Apart from somebody just forgetting it completely. Yeah, I mean, I tell you what happens all the time is like people just and, and it, it happens to every one of us. I can't remember most of the lyrics, you know, to the songs that oh. I've written. You know, so <laughs> you know, you kind of like, you know, you kind of sometimes the, the funniest thing as a writer, and this this does happen. Like I was, I was in a restaurant once, and someone's, you know, they actually were playing a song that that I'd written, and you know, and I'm sat there going, I know this song, you know, and you kind of like this song, and because you don't expect it, and you know, if you're Adele, you do, you know, but it's uh, you don't expect it when you meet, and you kind of like, is this one of my songs? It's really familiar, and then you kind of go, yeah, it is, and you kind of talk yourself, did I really write this? Um, and then it's, you know, that that happens. But people forgetting words, completely making up words, completely making up words that make, make no sense whatsoever. That, that's funny. Um, you know, like I completely reimagine the song because you have, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, that's, you've got to kind of laugh at that. Um, what I have seen, and this, this, this is quite funny, um, you know, obviously people mark sheet music, you know, and, and it's like this bar and that bar and whatever else. And they're trying to get the pianist to play. Um, <laughs> there was a pianist who was colorblind. And, okay. uh, this is funny. And, um, and obviously he marked it in certain colors. You just couldn't see it. Oh, <laughs> no. That's a that was hilarious. I mean, in, in a brilliant way, you know. Well, that's like, no, that's no, absolutely I'll... not the pianist's fault either, is it? No, I mean, it's maybe not. it's something no. that could have been communicated, but I've never, th I, you know, that's my privilege of having relatively good sight. I don't know what that would be like. So that's that's something to yeah. think of. That's actually quite a, a really interesting. Uh... I mean, I never, <laughs> I've never heard of it before. I've never heard of it again, and it's absolutely not the pianist's fault. But yeah, a little no, bit of communication, you know, in terms of, you know, I've done this and I marked this out and, and that would have been kind of sorted, but he was just playing along and um, <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was funny. And it's, uh, <laughs> it got resolved. It was fine. Was it just you know, all it like, one oh. dynamic for the whole thing? Just <laughs> really loud. <laughs> just play loud and it's fine. <laughs> um, but no, that was good. That was, uh, you know, but it's, it, it's amazing, the stuff. One of my favourite <laughs> And this this happened this um you know i can't remember what it was but it was someone had you know they, they for whatever reason they no i i do i remember now so they they actually they had the music stand you know and have you ever seen someone try to put up a music stand when they have no idea how to do it it's uh, yes it's like comedy you know? now as 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 a flautist those things have taken my fingers off more times than i can recall but those like year six kind of grainy metal ones they look like they've been alive for years and then 
you it's like the worst type of Meccano set ever, isn't it? A mu- one of those music stands. I still I still have no idea. It takes no me about idea. No clue. And uh, <laughs> they don't want any part of those, you know. But um, I remember sitting there and, you know, they're, they're really struggling. And, and I'm thinking, Do you know what, I, I can't even really offer to help because I'm not sure I'd be any better. Um, and uh, Laura could put them up in like three seconds. It's all of that kind of violin kind of training, mm-hmm. you know. And all of you know, it takes a like, you know, she just looks at it and it, it magically appears. You know, I, I have to get like a whole instruction manual out, I think, so it's just kind of work it out. But I'll always remember, you know, someone set it up. It was kind of, it was kind of right. You know, it was fine. It was, but they placed a water on the floor next to the sheet music. No, so, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, we know where we're going oh, with this. Oh, no. And uh, literally the stand collapses hits the water, the water goes all over the sheet music, no. and then all you've got is a, a, a lovely uh, a lovely kind of piece of sheet music on the floor, which is completely soaked. And it wasn't singing in the rain, so it just didn't work. Oh, it's just the worst when things like that happen, isn't it? Because... It's not that you can't stop. You can actually stop that one by not putting the water. In the, in the yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I just felt because I was just like, of course, that's going to happen, isn't it? You know, you, you put the water in the sheet music, you're already stressed. You know, you probably were late on the tube or whatever. And it's all uh, going a little bit pear shaped. And then you get that happen. And, you know, how do you put find your best performance then, you know? But, oh, dear. It's you gotta love it. You gotta love it. You've gotta uh, love the it. The joys of sheet sheet music is is funny all all on its own. You know, it's uh, I, <laughs> it's funny all on its own. <laughs> I'll always remember. I'll always remember. I was at a concert and um, uh, Rob Brydon was was um, there and he was comparing and different things. And then the pianist was on stage. And this is where it goes the other way. There was no sheet music. And Rob goes, oh, I know this great joke, but I need, I can't remember what the song was. Some cla- you know, some kind of classic. And then um, Rob goes, well, I, I would tell you this joke, but uh, you know, I, the pianist doesn't know the song. And he goes, what song? And then Rob says this song. And he goes, well, I know it. And then uh, genuinely, um, he kind of goes, what key do you want it in? And then Rob was like, oh, uh, so he just kind of sang a note of it. And then the pianist plays it to perfection. Hmm. You know, Rob does his gag brilliantly. It was not a setup because I was there all rehearsals and they absolutely had never. <laughs> and you just think, yeah, that's when it goes the other way. You know, the pianist is too clever. It's one of my favorite pianists, but just too clever. Don't. Uh, don't have a go at the pianists. Never have a go at a pianist. That's the way. Never even try because they'll they'll just do whatever they want. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> and, and that happens though. I mean, it's surprising how many people get really grouchy and grumpy with like the pianist. No, 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 you know, no, I, no, no, no. I can't no, understand it. I can't understand it because the pianist is there. You're not going to give a good performance without respecting them. And and I, I just. It's something that always winds me up. Respect your musical director and your accompanist and your audition pianist because they're there to help you look great. And if you do mess up a tempo, a lot of them are going to help you out if they're nice people. 
definitely. Oh dear me, that's like, yeah. The, I don't understand that. They're like the drama school auditions where they where everything's really fast. You know, unless you've told them, they'll just play it super fast. You know, they'll pummel through it, and and you know they're not going to help you out. They won't. They will not. They will not help you if you are kind of really mean to them. You know, so mm-hmm. it's um you know. But I think all of us, you know, every single one of us, has. The ability to walk into any room and do a great job or maybe not represent ourselves maybe in the best possible way. And that is hard to take, isn't it? When you've mm. gone into an audition, you think, damn, I could have done a lot better than that. But it's not always what the panels see, though. You know, so no. many times I've spoken to people who've got shows, you know, got leads and tremendous shows, and, and they thought they'd completely bombed the audition. You know, absolutely completely bombed it. And actually, you know, it's not uh, not the case at all. Exactly. So you, you can never be too hard on yourself. You shouldn't be too hard on yourself, ever. No, that's the whole point of the show. It's to remind ourselves that those moments happen. And yes, they might be your fault. But also, yes, something in that day might have completely derailed you. And it wasn't anything you could, uh, you know, action, as it were. But it's okay, and don't take yourself too seriously, and don't worry about it, and don't let it niggle into your head and, and kind of bury itself into your mind, because it's fine. And actually, more than anything else, you've given the panel something to talk about in their chaos of a day, because, you know, if they've been there for 10 hours, you know, it's hard work. So, you know, it's all right. Also, you can just email it to us, and then we'll share it to our guests each week, so it's all fine. <laughs> <laughs> but we're always, always reminding people that, it's okay. And it happens at every level. Yes. That's the most important thing. It does. I've seen some of the... I've had the privilege of hearing some of the greatest people in the whole world record, you know, from the theatre industry. You know, the top of Broadway, the top of the West End, and every one of them is very different. When we're recording, some people get it instantly. Lea Salonga, what a superstar in every sense of the word. You know, just got it, you know, every bit of what you were trying to get across instantly. You know, and then there are others who we record it more kind of line by line, but that's okay. You know, what they're looking for is maybe a sense of direction, and that's perfect. You know, let's do it that way. The amount of, I remember sitting with, um, you know, a Tony nominee, and we recorded, uh, you know, a very, very important track. And what actually happened, you know, we spent all, you know, hours, just getting this right mm. and getting every kind of note right. But then he literally went, learnt it, and then sang it exactly like the recording. So it's like we'd worked out and directed essentially the performance through the through the recording, and then he just nailed it. It was exactly like the recording every time he sung it after that. Mm. So there's lots of, you know, everybody works differently. Not everybody is... Uh, a big fan of you know auditions, and I'm I think maybe for those people, the self tape audition might help them. You know yeah. that might be might be useful in the short term. Hmm. Get a bit of confidence, maybe. I don't. So. I remember when we, uh, my wife and I trained at LSMT back in two thousand and, um, and we I'd never heard the phrase self tape back in two thousand six no. or seven or whenever it was. So the fact that it is, you know, sec- obviously pandemic aside, it's kind of, it's in the, the canon of auditioning and casting and 
economically and, you know, environmentally, it's better to do a self-tape. You don't have to hire space. You don't have to, you know, have people fly in to, for, from different areas around the world just to come to London to meet people. You can literally cast it anywhere. And, yeah, you still want to do in-person things. But, you know, it's it's interesting. Maybe we should do a, a self-tape fail episode because I'm sure... That sounds... <laughs> we'll have to make a YouTube video. I know there's some brilliant people on, on Instagram um doing some self-tape fail stuff so i'll link i'll in the episode description i'll link that because I, I they there's countless people who've shared it online it's a good one so we'll, maybe we'll have to but it happens to me all the time i'm actually um i'll go in I, every day i record these messages you know just little bits of stuff you know can trying to kind of spread a bit of positivity um but often you know it's my second or third attempt at it that i use and <laughs> I have posted, you know, more than once and then realized and taken it down, you know, one of the dodgy versions where I might only say like three words or stop. Rubbish, <laughs> you know, and you're just kind of like, oh, no. And, um, you know, that happens all the time. So it must be, yeah, it must be. If you're telling me that people are not sending casting directors their rough takes or, you know, bits with swearing in it, it's, <laughs> happening. it's happening out there. But I'd love that. That would just make me laugh. I would just think they were, you know, <laughs> what more do you want than someone just uh, mid-song going, oh, and, uh, you know, we'll leave the uh, the big-time profanities out. But, you know, that's funny. That's, uh, that's at least a bit entertaining. Hello, Christopher here. Just a little reminder to say if you're listening to the show and enjoying it, that's great. But if you have a story that you want to share with us, then email it to us. Our email is don'tcalluspod at gmail.com. They're all anonymous. No one will know who you are. If you don't want to reveal the details of the production, just ask me to, to take them out. That's fine. But please share your stories, whether you're an actor, a singer, a dancer, a director, a producer, a casting director. We want to show people listening it's okay to have those moments of anxiety and stress that happen to everybody at all stages of their career. And we're going to put a nice distance digital arm around them, give them a hug and say, you're all right, mate. Don't worry about it. And let's just have a little bit of a giggle instead. So please email your stories to don'tcalluspod at gmail.com. And if you're hearing this, give me a tweet and say, I'm listening. I'll speak to you soon. And back to the episode. I think this next story, this this guy maybe wishes he could have done a self-tape instead of being there in person. Now, a little caveat to this story. The person who sent this one in, we're actually having as a guest in a couple of weeks time. So they'll be able to... They'll be able to go into a little bit further detail with it. Um, uh, so this is from JJ uh, and he emails in. Essentially, I was going to a major theme park open casting call at Pineapple. I was incredibly flustered about the whole thing as it was my first ever in-person audition in front of a panel. I had all the must-haves for a first audition. You know, the character shoes, the overly tight-fitting workout top, the unattractive yet movable jogging pants, essentially looking like a guy at his first date at a gym. I got there hours too early, and as the audition was in the winter, I froze myself to the front step of Pineapple as actual dancers looked down on me like some sort of extra in Lycra from the Tour de France. <laughs> Finally, I went in for the audition, all 37,000 of us or however many it was, filled in my little papers and tried to bring the sparkle and not vomit through the overly cheery, sparkling camp monologue given by the casting director. 
We all learned the movement combo and went outside to wait in the small pineapple cafe, crammed in like desperate sardines who knew all the words to One Day More, trying to embody our best major theme park prince or princess. My number was called. I walk smack into the door frame and knock myself out. But because this is a one-shot deal, I get up and I keep going. I start standing on my spot and I notice my nose is slightly dripping. I wipe it. It's blood. But do I excuse myself? Do I heck? I keep going. 18, desperate and looking like an extra from Carrie. As nobody noticed, I carried on with my movement routine, spraying blood around the dance floor. Like the exorcist's older brother, he says. Murder on the dance floor should have been the movement piece. Once over, I ran from the room and cleaned myself up, only to get the job. I guess sometimes wow. it pays to do an audition bleeding and concussed. <laughs> that, that is fabulous. One would hope that the health and safety would have spotted that he'd bumped his head and, you know, nearly passed out. And oh, my goodness. I could think that someone would have offered some assistance. Some water. <laughs> Some first aid. Some first aid. Well, they offered him a job. <laughs> yeah, you bleed into death. We don't mind, you know, just go and do those steps. Do you know that scene from Friends, you know, where Joey has to dance? Have you seen that? Uh, You're a yeah. Big and, you know, he goes in and he's told a lie that he has to dance, you know, and then he, he teaches them that kind of, uh, you know, thing, and he's got the whole jazz hands in oh, there. Oh, it's brilliant. It's, it's just one of the most class my one of my favorite bits from from any of the friends episodes but that happens obviously all the time you know people say i'll always remember he won't mind me saying but uh, adam robert lewis and i always remember when he was talking to me about uh, going on to um he was going for the to go on to the ma at mount view and he was going for his audition which he subsequently passed which was fantastic and he's obviously doing very well um, one of my favourite people, but he says, like, my dancing, you know, is, I, I just go in there and do a bit of an Irish jig and hope it's, uh, you know, hope that they don't look at me, you know? And I'm just <laughs> thinking, how, many, how many times, though, does that, you know, people just cannot dance, and, and me included, hopeless. But, you know, you just kind of go, yeah, I can do that. Oh, I can do, you know, can you do, uh, can you do, Puppeteering? Yes, yeah, I can do that. Can you do sword <laughs> fights? Definitely. And then they go, now we're going to do some sword fighting. And you go, oh, no. And, uh, you know, I've seen that so many times. People just going, oh, I lied. I lied. I lied. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Never lie on your CV. Never um, lie on your CV. It's a brilliant story. I, I tell you, um, one from my own back catalogue. When I, I worked in theatre, in, in terms of, and I was like a front of house manager for uh, about five years, actually, at the Wales Millennium Centre when it first opened in Cardiff. <laughs> Favourite place year. in the world. Best yeah, theatre in, yeah. the, in the land. We love it. And um, when I was working there, one of uh, Sir Matthew Bourne's shows was on. And obviously there is this very strict rule as a front of house manager. Obviously, if somebody has tickets to a particular seat, they are entitled to sit in said seat and what we you know were told categorically not to allow was a people kind of moving around kind of willy-nilly whatever they want and you know everybody regardless of who they are had a ticket for health and safety reasons yeah now i remember a group just walking in you know right at the 
the kind of just at the start, literally, you know, it's a 730 start and this was 729.56, you know, we're like right on the right on the money, just about to say, yeah, the show can start. And uh, a group sit down. So I kind of go over to them and I go, I'm really, really sorry. You know, these these are actually someone's seats. And they were like, well, no one's kind of sitting in them. And I was like, I know that, but they're actually someone's seats. You know, would you mind terribly? You know, I know you said, you know, obviously to do with the production. Would you mind just moving across a little bit? Um, and then, uh, and I was like, you know, you really do need to get tickets, you know, just from the box office, get some comps or whatever, just for this. And, and they went, yeah, that's fine. But it's kind of my show. I'm, I'm Matthew Bourne. And I was just like, <laughs> what, uh, you know, and um, yeah, you look like such a wally. You know, this is. You're just and, doing your job, Dan. You're just doing your job. My job, but you're just like, oh God. You know, I'll, uh, I'll one day I'll, I'll, I'll bump into him and, and tell him that story. But um, <laughs> yes, that, that, that wasn't my finest moment, of, in, if I must be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? We've all been there. I, uh, We've all been there. I used to work in a cinema in, and funny enough, just across the road from the Wales Millennium Centre. And uh, oh, boy, do, boy, did I love a torch, Dan. <laughs> I loved a torch. Turn that bloody phone off. You will watch Mamma Mia and you will like it. No. Well, I know, I know. <laughs> I was going to tell you this brilliant story. Go on. My, a friend of mine, now this wasn't recent, okay? This was going back a bit. And he went into uh, an audition for to get into a, a drama school back in, you know, we're talking the, the 90s. So he walks into the audition and, and this is the way he told it. So I'm going to tell it just like this. He walks in, you know, wearing his kind of like, you know, kind of scruffy-ish jeans and kind of uh, had seen better days, you know kind of squeezed into them that morning and uh he walks in and uh, the guy on the, on the panel goes hi hi david now what we've got for you today is uh, we want you to make love to the chair and he, he goes excuse me sorry can you say that again for me see the chair <laughs> i want you to sit on the chair to start and proceed to make love to the chair I want you to convince us that the chair is a real person. Make love to the chair. Oh and he flapped like what, you know, they said never, never in his wildest dreams. He's like, you know, I prepared a few monologues. This was for an acting, straight acting course. He prepared a few of his monologues and done this, but no, he was not expecting to have to try to make love to this chair. So David jumps onto the chair and proceeds to imitate the art of uh, passionate lovemaking to this uh, old chair. So anyway, David's jeans didn't do him any favors on this particular day. As he's there, <laughs> you know what's coming. Uh, as he's there, he's kind of getting into the mood and he kind of straddles the chair. In the process of straddling the chair, rips his seen better day jeans and partially exposes himself to the panel whilst imitating making love to the chair. So he goes, you know, do I, 
basically is like, do I stop or do I finish? You know, have I have I done enough? So he he kind of uh, tucks himself in and apologizes and uh, didn't get in to that particular drama school. But what a story! What a story! That's one of my favourites. I don't know what I would do in a situation like that. I don't. I I think I'd just go. Do you know what? I don't think this place is for me. See. Like, <laughs> well, I I would have done the same. I would have definitely. There's no way I would have done that. There's no way. And and full, just, you know, good on him. Good on him for having a crack at it. I guess. But yeah, that wouldn't have done that. And now I they've had have. they've had three wonderful baby footstools since then. So it's fine. <laughs> 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 He told this great story about how he travelled there on a bus. So he had to literally oh, go, he had to go, you know, and he was like, he was skinned actor. You know, it wasn't like, you know, so he, he made it to a charity shop, you know, just found some something he could. And he said it was like, you know, some some dodgy kind of, you know, thing that didn't really fit. So, yeah, auditions can go very wrong, can't they? They Let's. can. We had a story sent in from a producer of a show. And again, it lends itself to not only preparing your sheet music, but respecting your musical director and just just make sure that you're ready to go into the room. So this producer sends in my favourite audition story was from the auditions for the London company transfer of a brand new super glitzy glam musical a fair few years ago. It used a lot of gold leaf. That's the clue. Okay, okay. An auditionee came in with an attaché case of music and went straight to the very well-respected, very well-known West End musical director. Everyone would know him and he was playing for the auditions. She rummaged in her case and handed him seven loose pages of manuscript. He looked at them and gave them straight back to her saying, you have to give me a clue, love, in which order you want them played. I'm not paid to do your arrangements for you. Handed her a pair of scissors, a roll of sellotape and asked her to come back when she was ready. She did, eventually sang very well, but sadly did not make the cut. Please tape your sheet music. <laughs> I Absolutely. think he had every right to do that. He had every right to do that. You, can, you can't, um, you know, it, it's, you can't be kind of rummaging through, through bits of music. And, you know, I, I've been in, um, what's kind of funny is, you know, you, you kind of sometimes see this, where people have kind of, you know, taped music and it's all, and they do a very pretty and very nice job mm. of it. But they, they'll tape it wrong or, you know, it's kind of like they thought they've done something really helpful, but actually they just wanted it in one big straight line rather than, you know, double-sided printing, yeah. you know. And, and he's like, what, you know, how are you supposed to do this? Especially with some of this, like, um, you know, let's say Jason Robert Brown stuff. You know, it's not... Uh, if they're lengthy you know, pieces of music... Uh, you know, sheet-wise, they might they might only be a couple of minutes worth of performance. But if there's a lot going on for the the accompanist, or you have to make sure that you can turn it quickly, or you do want it in one thing, so you can slide it across. You've got to learn to tape it properly. And if it's you know, and if you're sight reading it out as well, you know, it's it's asking an awful lot of that pianist just to go right. Yeah, I'm going to sight read this, and I'm going to turn your page, and I don't know this song, but you know, so they can't help you from that perspective. You know, mm. you probably know the song a lot more better. Well, you know, not better than uh, than they do. So, you know, it's you've got to be. Yeah, you you have to be respectful to those those uh, you know musical directors, and of course, they are part of the process as well. And you know, They'll have part so of the decision sometimes. They have 
part of the decision sometimes, and so they should. Um, I, I am, I totally value that opinion. Mm, and, absolutely. You know, and and if you don't, then that's you know a mistake in my opinion. I think it's you should. So, I'm not one of these people who likes you know when when poor people are called up for seven auditions for a show and don't get it. I'm, I'm I think that's incredibly harsh and unfair. I don't believe it takes seven auditions to tell someone that they're not getting a role. But, you know, it's just all of that preparation, all of that work they put in and all of the traveling, all of the sweat and all of the, yeah. you know, the tears and the frustration. I, I wish we didn't have to do that. You know, something you said then has hit home a little bit more than I think talking about this kind of part of the process has before. It's not that it doesn't necessarily take seven auditions or eight or nine or whatever to tell someone yeah. they have got the part. It doesn't take that long to tell them that they haven't got the part. That's right. There's going to be That's sometimes, right. there's going to be two or three people. You just don't know which way it's going to go. It's like a jigsaw puzzle with other people. You might have a celebrity casting person that you've got to balance against that isn't, you know, but there are going to be people that are going through that process up to that point that you maybe know a little bit more than others that they aren't going to get them so yeah that's that's a really i think that's a, an interesting way of looking at it and a, and a kind of switcheroo on how one would normally think and you know like i said before i think going forward there's not going to be as much scope to have in-person auditions sadly you know very sadly as there were before so hopefully it'll be it'll maybe become a slightly more linear and slightly more streamlined process for everybody and you know the the casting teams included because it's a, it's an incredible yeah, amount of work that one has to do behind the scenes casting a show, and I don't know if any you know it's some people don't see that and, and uh, you know we've we've said a million times part of an actor's career they should sit on a panel of an audition experience Agreed. all the way through from start to finish at least once in their career because Agreed. it's eye opening isn't it and it's 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 quite it is quite fun it's tiring it's a lot of work but it's really good fun especially when you get to offer people a job yeah how it, how oh, that is the coolest bit. That call and receiving that call as an agent is the best bit. It's the best bit because that is the end goal for everyone. It's the payoff. And that's the bit. And that's the payoff. Yeah, that's it. That's where you did all that work and you got the role. I tell you, I, a friend of mine got was offered the role of Phantom. And he had been to, you know, the eight, nine auditions or, or whatever it took to uh, to get there, a huge amount, and was offered the role and um, was literally, you know, in a process of, of uh, being, you know, they were getting all the fine print for the, for the contract and everything. And then got a call up and one of the most well-known phantoms uh, decided he would stay on, which was against his prerogative. Oh. But, and their their job never come through, oh, and no. I felt terrible for them. And they'd already told some people, no. and accidentally someone had let that slip. Oh, no. uh, yeah, yeah. It was it was very harsh, very very harsh. Always wait until the contracts are signed, guys. <laughs> well, oh, funny enough, dear. I was I was doing an, I was doing an interview with Jono and Jones. A long time ago now. And he said to me, you know, I'm just about to go into a role, hopefully. But he said, I haven't signed the contract. So I'm not even going to like mention it in any correct. capacity. Absolutely because correct. He said, I can't tell you how many times this has happened to me, you know. And, 
you're thinking like, if that's happening to Jono and Jones, you know, if he's getting cast and stuff and it doesn't quite work out or doesn't happen, then, you know, and he's right at the top of his game and top of his field, you know, it, it's happening to everybody, isn't it? You know, yeah. you can't, you cannot go that's, and announce that you're doing no, something. That's one of the sad, sad realities of the casting process. Sometimes things change at the very last minute and they don't happen. And, you know, at the moment, that's the whole production not happening, let alone somebody else having the job. But hey, you know, hopefully it'll it'll all settle back down and, and be much much easier when we get when we get back. I hope so. So before before we let you go, Dan, uh, yeah. and this is this is usually a, a question. The question we usually end the show with is, what would we like performers? What would they like to add to the audition process? But whenever we have somebody who's predominantly on the other side of the table, we reverse it and we ask them. What would you like to remove from the audition process? Something that happens yeah. too often that you go, do you know what? It doesn't need that. It, I know we've mentioned nine calls, but something different. Yeah. If there's one oh. thing that you could take away from the audition process that you think it would make everything flow a little easier or with a bit more respect or a bit more enjoyment, what would that be? So I think, you know, yeah, the nine auditions we've got, I, I do believe that absolutely everybody who comes in should be told this is the bit that gets on my nerves. Oh, man, it winds me up so badly. You know, they don't even tell people that they haven't got the part. You know, mm. not that, and, and if we're removing something, I guess it's removing being, you know, completely horrible, really, because I just think that's cruel. You know, so can we, can we remove the kind of, you know, the fact that we've taken up these people's time and we can't even say you haven't got it i i just can't bear it i i hate that i want to get it's, rid of the not knowing then get rid of the not knowing that's one thing you know and, and get rid of the kind of unnecessary stuff you know if you're asking people to learn three songs and, and, you, and you're probably only going to ask them to sing one you know that's just you know if you're not going to ask them and some and this happened i've been there i've been there sat there on panels and they have absolutely no intention whatsoever of getting them to do certain things that they've asked them to prepare and I'm just like, just don't get them to do it. You know, mm. don't, you're not doing. So I just think remove the unnest, you know, if you're not, if you don't need the information, if you don't need them to be there all day, if you've made a decision on them and then you're calling them back for the dance, really just to go through the process, don't, don't bother. You know, I, I can't think of many people who wouldn't want to know. Mm. And, you know, to. So they can move on. Then, uh, they can you know, move on. And, and they can release and those so thoughts of, oh, it might happen. And they can just go, oh, well, next time. I'll do it better next time. I'll, I might just get further next time. You know, I call that being professional, you know, telling people, <laughs> you know. And, and, I, and I know why. You know, it's hard when you've got all of these people and, you know, you, you're just like, I want to move on. But if you went for a job as an IT technician, the chances are you would get a, an email. It might not be... Uh, you know, oh, thank you for your wonderful interview. And I'm let's, and the way you talked about spreadsheets was magnificent. But, it, you know, and, and maybe we're not never going to get that email, which went, you know, we've thoroughly enjoyed meeting you. The way you sang your song was was marvelous and, and offering some advice. But can we at least just say, I'm really sorry on this occasion? You know, you just didn't get it. Yeah. And please go on with your life and hopefully we'll see you in the future. But, you know, you don't need to wait yeah. for the phone anymore. And I think that would help. I really yeah. do. I think. It, and it is getting be... better. It is getting better. I, you know, having having worked for a couple of years, the agent side of things as well. It really is getting 
a lot better. But it's still not where it should be. It's still not where it should be. So for everyone's benefit, I think that's something we can all work on. So it's good. We can all do it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. That was great. It's been a pleasure. No, I'm uh, I'm delighted to join you. I love this podcast. Fabulous. It's, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit of fun. And, and I'm always up for a bit of fun anytime. And that was this week's episode of Don't Call Us, We'll Call You with the excellent Dan Curtis. I've known Dan for a little while now, and that was the first time that we've properly sat down like this and had a chat about things. Obviously, it was for the podcast, but it was such a joy. And I hope that you're all going to find him now on social media and go and listen to his work. Um, I will put links to social media stuff down in the episode description and also link to some works of his as well. Please support your composers at this time. There are loads of people working on material for absolutely no money at all at the moment, and they deserve your support. So find them. We might link some on our Twitter this week, so make sure you follow us at Don't Call Us Pod. There's lots of concerts, lots of live streams happening when, you know, live theatre is still not exactly back. They're not, not properly back anyway, so make sure you check out some live streams. Turbine Theatre are doing some brilliant stuff. The Barn Theatre is still doing incredible work. So find some stuff. We'll, we'll tweet some out online as well. And also, if you fancy stand-up comedy, make sure you go and see comedians if they are putting on a show. Socially distanced, safe show for you as well. We all want live entertainment to come back. That's why we're doing this podcast, to give you a bit of a giggle, a bit of a lift every single Friday. And on that note, make sure you catch up with episodes you might have missed from our series as well. This is episode 19, I think. So you've got another 18 to listen to. And I promise you, if there's somebody you really like, go and listen to it. It's a really funny show. If there's someone you, you don't know who they are, go and listen to that. It's full of amazing stories. <laughs> Every single one of these, I've been crying with laughter by the end of them. It's so much fun to make this show. Thank you so much if you've listened today. Obviously, if you're still listening, you're hearing my voice. That's great. But please make sure you tell your friends. We have literally thousands of people listening every single week across the globe from Canada to America to Singapore, Australia. Please tell your friends. Make sure you can rate the, the show if you can on your podcast platform of choice. Apple Podcasts, obviously really good to rate us on. That's how the charts are based on. And please tag, share, share the little video clips we put on social media. It just really helps. You know, we're a free show and we really appreciate you getting the word out to tell lots of really cool people to listen. And hopefully we can provide you with a bit of a giggle each week like we do you. For now, on behalf of myself, John Webcaster, our co-producer, Dan Curtis, check out all the stuff in the, uh, the description of the episode. You know what you're doing. Have a lovely week. Please, please stay safe. Make sure you wash your hands, wear your mask properly, look after each other. And remember, don't call us, we'll call you. Goodbye! Goodbye!